Right, good morning, everybody. How are you? I uh, met with a guy, I said in the nine o'clock service that we've become Seattle with all the rain. And uh, we are actually thinking about building an ark this week, just in case, in case it never starts. You know, we just wanna be prepared. So there was a guy in the nine o'clock service said, I'm actually driving from Seattle to Nashville. I brought it with me, so he took the blame for that. But I like the rain, come on. I, I've learned in living 16 years here, I grew up in the deep south where it rains every other day and humidity is like 94% all the time. But when I moved here, I realized you do not complain when any moisture of any kind falls from the sky, right? I am all for it. It will keep the forest fires down. I'm for that, not against it, right? All right. I hope you're for that. All right. What in the world is going on in here today, right? Hey, I want to remind you, this Wednesday night is my favorite night of every month. We have first Wednesday this Wednesday night at 6.30. Listen, New Life Church, I'm not trying to create some kind of hyperbole, but America needs a praying church right now more than ever. We need to gather and pray. So whenever I call you to a prayer meeting, it is, it is really vitally important that we come together and condition ourselves to gather together. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, especially when you see the day approaching. And I just, I think that is a, a, a call, wake up call to us that with these times of gathering and praying are vitally important. And I wanna encourage you, uh, it'll start at 6.30, you'll be out of here at 7.30, it'll still be daylight when you walk out of here, okay? So it's not, I love this time of year, you'll walk out, you still have an hour and a half of daylight left after you walk out. So come be a part of this Wednesday night, let's gather and pray. You'll, you'll thank me later for being a part of it, all right? All right, turn in your Bible. We're gonna continue our series. I took a bit of a break last week when I talked about grief. If you've not heard that message, I, I would encourage everyone to listen to it at least once. And I think it's important for us to teach ourselves how to grieve properly. That was last Sunday. And today, this Sunday, I'm, I'm, I'm also tackling a very difficult topic. And one of the great benefits of preaching through books of the Bible like we do, we're going through 1 John right now, is you don't get to skip over the hard parts. And in 1 John 3, John is pretty strong in his language toward the church. So let me, I want you, I want you to really catch this today. John is not talking to the sinful culture outside the church here. He's talking to people inside the church who are sinning. Now, I know that doesn't happen at New Life Church, but there are some churches where sin happens in the church. And John is addressing this very strongly, but very pastorally. And so that's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to talk about sin no more. So I wanna say something, and I wanna see if you agree with me or not. I think it's possible and probable with the help of the Holy Spirit for people who follow Christ to live humble and holy lives. Like four people agree, okay? I just need to know if anybody else agree with that or we can just dismiss now and go watch basketball or something. I'm not barking at you. Listen, maybe you gotta, it takes time to process that. But listen one more time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise the bar pretty high here, okay? Because John in this text raises the bar. What, you know, right now the bar is kinda low for what it means to follow Jesus. But John doesn't let the church off the hook here. He says, listen, the bar is actually higher than that. So let me say it one more time. Just I want you to process it. I want you to receive this. I want you to understand why I'm tackling this topic. I think 
Jesus wants us to follow him with humble and holy lives. Amen? So what does that mean? It means that we are addressing and confronting broken sinfulness that resides in all of us. I don't see any holy angels sitting. Some of you look like angels, but you're not acting like it. I mean, I can see it. Listen, can we just say amen that all of us in this room, including your pastor, we are confronted from time to time, if not every day, with some brokenness, with temptation. There, there's a temptation in our world and those temptations are becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. In other words, it's become easier and easier for us as Christ followers to compromise what it means to follow Jesus. Would you, would you say agree with that? That the world now is giving us more and more opportunities to compromise. Yet Jesus, through the fog of all of that, is still calling his church back to a place of humility and holiness. And those two things come together. You can't be humble without being holy. You can't be holy without being humble. Because humility says, I'm not God. I need help. Holiness says, I want to be more like Jesus because following my own path is not working out. Okay, that's where we start today, okay, with that understanding that Jesus is calling us to something greater, that the world is inviting us into a place of compromise, but Jesus is inviting us into something more sacred and more holy than that. First John chapter three, verse four, and it says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin, by its definition, is lawlessness. Now underline that's very important to catch before we can go any further. Verse five, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin, now leave that up for a moment. Verse five, I want you to catch what it means to biblically preach the gospel. So maybe you've never been in a church where the gospel is being preached, but here is how you can tell if you're hearing biblical gospel preaching. The first thing it is, does not ignore sin and brokenness. Biblical gospel preaching is confrontational, convictional. You're going to feel bad before you feel good sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that. If you come into new life and you don't feel a little aggravated, unsettled, that's called conviction. And we live a life that needs constant reformation. Anyone else in the room needs constant reformation in your life? I, at least I do. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to be constantly involved in the interior spaces of my life. I go sideways really quickly if I don't have the Holy Spirit involved in the internal processes, thinking, thoughts, actions, motivations, attitudes of my life. Do you, do you agree with that? All right, so the way you can tell if you're hearing biblical gospel preaching is it doesn't ignore sin, but it doesn't leave you hopeless. So notice in verse four, he says, sin is lawlessness, everyone whose sin is breaking the law. But then verse five, he says, hey, but by the way, he appeared that he may take it away. And then look at verse six, he says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Okay, that's the bad news. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. All right, I wanna stop here for a moment. I wanna address the carefully planned algorithms and information, 
and I've mentioned this many times, but I'm gonna keep bringing this up to you. When you scroll through your phone, regardless of the app that you're using or the social media that you're using, you are being targeted because of your age, your gender, your economic status, your uh, political affiliations, your religious affiliations are all carefully considered so that when you get information on your phone, you are being targeted to believe a person or a source of information that may or may not be helpful to you. Are you aware of that, right? So we're all being played a bit. We're all being led astray. So this was written, what, 2,000 years ago, and yet it still speaks to us today. Dear children, notice the language here. John is not barking at them. I'm not barking at you today. I'm not, I didn't come in angry. I didn't come into this service today upset. I'm not mad at anyone. And that's what John, John's writing that and says, listen, dear children, you are the people I love. That's, that's family language. That is covenantal love language. And John says, listen, you're my children. We belong to one another. I am with you, I'm for you, not against you. And because I love you so much, do not let anyone lead you astray. Now what was happening in the church during this time, and it's happening in the church today, there was a lot of false teachers outside the church trying to draw the true followers of Jesus away to these false teachings. And it really upset John. I mean, John was terribly upset by this. He was hearing reports that some devoted Christ followers had been led astray to believe things that Jesus never taught. Is that happening today? Yes or no, you can talk back to me, come on. Yes, it's happening every single hour of every single day. We have a deceptive spirits that wanna come and lead us away from what Jesus taught us to believe. It says, dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one, the one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. Now in verse nine, go to, go to verse nine. Oh, no, verse eight, I'm sorry, go back, you're right. Verse eight, there we go. No, no one who does what is sinful, or the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. I love how John did, just went right straight to the core of the matter here. And he says, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, underline that key phrase right there. And the reason, listen to this, now that's the bad news, right? Notice here what's good gospel preaching is there is a confrontation of the truth, there's a, there's a revelation of truth that does not leave you hopeless or helpless. So he says something that's very true, but can also be very upsetting, right? I mean, the, the one who does what is sinful, you're from the devil, that can be a little upsetting. That can upset your heart, it can make you feel shameful. That's not the intention though. Because then he says, however, let me give you the good news. The reason the Son of God appeared was to completely, 100% to annihilate, to destroy the devil's work. Now he's talking about incarnation here. He's talking about the incarnational visitation of Jesus who came through the Virgin Mary, was born of a virgin, appeared as God and man as a baby in Bethlehem who grew up into a, a man who was never sinned, who led a sinless life, who died on the cross for reparation and to, to repair our brokenness and then was resurrected on the third day as proof that he had overcome death, hell, and the grave. That's what John is reminding the church. Do not waver from these teachings. 
Jesus is the one who, Jesus is the only one who can destroy the sinful things that are happening. And I know you're very concerned. I am very concerned about the lawlessness, the sinful behavior that we're seeing all around us. But the good news is it's already been defeated. Listen, new lifers, don't be distressed. You can be concerned. You can go and protest when necessary, when it's affecting your family or your friends. But just know this, that that evil has already been defeated. You are the victorious ones. You're following the Jesus who has won. Amen? Amen. Let's not forget that. All right, verse nine. No one who's born of God will continue to sin. In other words, if you see a long habit, if you have a lot of brokenness that just can't seem to get through, go back to Jesus. Keep going back to Jesus until that thing is broken. Because God's seed, now those are two words you need to underline that jumps off the page at me when I'm studying this text. He says, God's seed remains in them. Let me just pause, let me help you understand this because I, I want to understand it better. When you say yes to Jesus, you are marked by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know this, when you were baptized, the 362 of you that were baptized into the waters of baptism, when you came up out of the water, there was a marking of the Holy Spirit on your life. You are marked. You are, God put his hands on you and said, they, they belong to me. God's seed remains in them and they cannot go on sinning again because they have been born of God. That's really good news, by the way. Can we pray together? Father in heaven, we hold up these scriptures today as a mirror to our souls. Father, I pray that when we look into these scriptures that what we would see back is our brokenness, but hopeful. I pray today that we would not leave here focused on our brokenness, but we'd leave here full of hope because we come before a merciful and good God today who wants to help us. I pray today that the Holy Spirit would saturate this message with your goodness and grace. And we pray it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're okay with that, will you say amen? I'm only gonna take a few minutes this morning, but we're gonna talk about some very difficult topics. And I wanna help you understand what John was talking about and what does sin look like today? And, I, and help you define it, to help you be able to spot it when you see it. And a lot of times right now, Christ followers don't even know how to define sin. And if you can't define sin, then you won't be able to spot it when you see it. Does that make sense to you? All right, here's the first thing that John is talking about. He said, sin, is a life, is living a life without biblical boundaries. That's the first broad definition of sin you need to understand. Listen to what he says in verse four. Everyone who breaks the law, in fact, who, everyone who sins breaks the law, in fact, sin is lawlessness. Now here's what that means. He says, sin is living a life without any pre-prescribed boundaries established over your life. In other words, you are making up your own rules to benefit your own desires and no one else can help you with those rules. So there's a huge lie being told to the culture today. Live your truth, I'll live my truth. That leads, by the way, to chaos. When a culture disregards the biblical boundaries that have held the culture together for 2,000 years, 
We are now giving ourselves over to absolute anarchy and chaos, and we're watching that right now. Foolishness and perversion happens when a large group of people throw off the boundaries that have held groups of people together in unity and flourishing for 2,000 years. So the question I want you to ask, and moms and dads, pay attention to these questions, because I can promise you, if you have a child in middle school or high school, elementary school, and college, they're being asked these questions right now in their classrooms. And you better know how to answer them because they're getting the answer from other places. So here's the first question, how do we know right from wrong? <laughs> That's a big question right now. Your right is my wrong and your wrong is my right. Let's just learn to get agreed, let's just coexist. That's what you're being told. Your truth is my truth and I mean, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth. There are no boundaries, do what you want, do what pleases you, do what benefits yourself. So how do we know right from wrong? Who can tell us no? Where are the no's coming from in your life? Who can speak, in, this is the question for all of us. Who and what can say no to us? Where are the fences? Where are the boundaries in your life? Where, when you get close to that boundary, do you hear a no? Do you hear the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit pushing you back into a safe place? Are you living wild and free? Or are you living with some prescribed boundaries? Should there be rules and laws? I mean, we're, we're at a place in our culture right now where that's a question that's being asked. Why don't we just abolish all laws and rules and just make it up as we go? But there seems to be some wisdom in looking back through history and learning from the mistakes of past cultures who have chosen to live life without rules and boundaries. And it hasn't gone well. It's been total chaos and violence and anarchy when a culture decides to live life without boundaries and rules and laws. Well, here's the better question then, who gets to make those rules and laws? Who, who gets to make them? What we believe as Christ followers is that these scriptures are God-breathed, that these scriptures have been given to us through the inspiration of Holy Spirit. They were written by imperfect people, but not from an imperfect, from a perfect God. So we hold the scriptures up in high regard at New Life Church. I don't apologize for this. I didn't write the Bible, but I'm determined to follow it. This is who I am. And I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to be your hero today, but I'm just telling you, I'm 56 years old. I've been pastoring for 28 years. I have a lot of experience. I've seen people's lives wrecked over and over again by compromise and by sin. And those two things will lead to death. And I am not going to finish the last full lap of my ministry unless it can be focused on the person of Jesus. I want you to be confident in this, New Life Church. I am your pastor. I am absolutely 100% without compromise, committed to the integrity of these scriptures and to following Jesus without compromise. I don't care about pressure. I don't care about any of the societal pressures that I feel to compromise. I have set my eyes like flint on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. That's where we're going. And so let me tell you what the boundaries, the, the, the culture right now is attacking some very important boundaries. So let me tell you what the boundaries that the Bible describes. We believe that God is the one who creates us as male and female. We don't get to decide that. We are the one, God is the one in the womb of our mother created us as male and female. 
we don't get to decide that on our own. We believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Exclusively, the Bible exclusively gives us that. We believe that you should wait until after you're married to have sex. And we believe that any kind of racism or bigotry against any group of people that is funneled by hate is a, is a violation of God's scriptures. Completely, absolutely a violation. So listen, I, people have asked me multiple times, Pastor Brady, why don't you get up and say more about the gender and sexuality issue? Let me just help you with something. We are meeting every single day with families in our church who are wrestling with this. And we have been for a long time. I'm, I'm not exaggerating that. Every single day, we're meeting with families talking about gender and sexuality. It is a complex, complicated issue. I understand that. People's sexuality, their gender identification is a very complex issue. I cannot get up here in 20 or 30 minutes and bring clarity to all those things on a Sunday. I can't. That's 90% of those conversations are happening in private spaces. But I need you to know that we're holding the line. We're not compromising our convictions. But because it is, I don't want to distance families. I don't want families to think that this is not a safe place to bring up the question. The church is a safe place for you to have that conversation. So if I stand here, so if I stand here and I'm angry about it, I'm barking and I'm rebuking, what does that do? It makes families draw away from us, the very place that we can give help. So I'm trying to be gracious. I'm trying to allow for families to come into these safe spaces with their difficult questions so that we can guide them from a pastoral perspective into a place of flourishing. Listen, sometimes that takes, listen, this is true. Sometimes those conversations take months, years. I can't fix a lot of this in a 20 minute sermon. But you need to know where I stand on these issues so that you can understand what the, the approach that I'm taking. The reason we're seeing salvations in record number right now at New Life Church is because we are kind. Listen, even Paul said, Paul said in Corinthians, it's not for me to judge the behavior of the outside world. I'm not gonna bark at the darkness. What I believe about the church though is, I don't think the culture is gonna get much better I think it's going to deteriorate right in front of us, which gives us the opportunity to be a holy and pure and life-giving church, to stand out of the darkness and call people out of that darkness into his marvelous light. We're not going to do that if we're a bunch of angry zealots. I love sinners. Listen, New Life Church, I love lost people. I care deeply for their soul. I'm not here to damage their soul. I'm not here to shame or embarrass people who are caught up in lifestyles that are destructive. I'm here to welcome them into the place of freedom that Jesus has already given them. That, that's who we are. So sin, sin is a life without boundaries. Secondly, what the, the scripture tells us is sin is simply ignoring Jesus. Verse six, it says, no one, no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So listen, this is, I wanna give you just a, this is so practical, okay? I want you, after you leave this service today until we gather here next Sunday, I want you to talk about, think about, and have conversations with Jesus more than you did last week. 
What he is saying, what, what John is saying in this passage is people who find themselves caught up in sin have started ignoring Jesus. How many times during the week in your private internal space or in your conversations with those around you are you talking about Jesus? Make Jesus the center of more of your thoughts this week. Make Jesus the center of more of your conversations this week. Talk about Jesus. Think about Jesus. And what happens is, what happens, those temptations that come your way, they, they, they start seeming foolish. Like those foolish temptations that are, help, that are leading us astray. When I'm focused on Jesus, when I'm talking about Jesus, thinking about Jesus, I'm being grateful for Jesus. When the enemy comes with his schemes and plans to distract me, I go, that's foolish. I have Jesus. So we're not thinking about him enough. We're not talking about him enough. And listen, what happens is people who ignore, marginalize, and demonize the standards of Jesus, they will become violent, perverse, and corrupt. It just, listen, you're either gonna take, the, you're gonna either follow the fruits of your flesh or the fruits of the spirit. Read the list for yourself. I am going to follow Jesus and have the fruits of the Holy Spirit evident in my life to the best I can. That means I'm talking about Jesus, thinking about Jesus. And then he says something, John says something about sin. He says, sin has a father. So he takes us back. He says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. What is he talking about? He's talking about Genesis 3. Go there with me, Genesis 3. Go to your grandmother's signature, table of contents, Genesis 3. It's right there, it's all in order, right there. So Genesis 3. All right, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are just two of the most fun chapters in the Bible to read. Creation, animals, zebras being named, giraffes being named, all that stuff happening. Green grass, waters are clean, the air is clean, everything's awesome. But it doesn't take long for humankind to mess it all up. And that's what happened in Genesis chapter three. So Adam and Eve are out with their day one day. It says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, all right, listen to this, okay? This is exactly what you're hearing all week long. His tactics have not changed. Listen to the question, he says, did God really say you shouldn't do that? You shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said, yes, what happened? He came to us and said, you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, uh, but God did say, don't do that. Don't eat the tree, fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and don't touch it or you will die. And then the enemy comes to him and says, you know those boundaries, those traditional values, those old things that God told you to do, which was like, what, five days old at this point? <laughs> those old things. Let me tell you a progressive way of thinking about God going forward. This is the lie, okay? You will not die, the servant said to the woman. So what's, you know what your kids are being told is there are no consequences for your behavior. And we've helped them along by not showing them consequences for their behavior. So he says, you're not gonna die. There are no consequences, he says. And he says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. What he's saying is God's hiding the truth from you. God is deceiving you. God's not telling you everything. He says, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's happening in America today is we have 338 million gods trying to do things their own way. Why? Because we've believed the original lie. 
The original lie was, you can be God on your own. God's hiding things from you. There are not really any consequences for your behavior. Do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want, and there are no consequences. That's the original lie, and that's the lie we're all listening to today. But I have good news. Jesus has always been the cure for sin. He is the cure. And I even have better news. There's no incurable sin. Jesus, listen, if the gospel is not for everyone, then the gospel is not for anyone. Every human being on the planet is a candidate for grace. Every broken human being that you maybe get upset with, you may get mad at, Jesus died for them. Jesus is drawing them, he is bringing them in. There's not one sin or one sinner that Christ does not love and Christ has not overcome. This is the truth. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he came. And it says no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Listen, all of his works have been destroyed and all of his tricks have been exposed. Listen, this is why John later on talks about discernment. This is why he talks about keeping your eyes open. Don't be drawn away, don't be led astray. Keep your spiritual eyes wide open, keep your heart pure. Make sure your, your, your mind is sober and clean and able to receive. And he says, listen, he says, listen, I love Romans six. He says, for the wages of sin is death. Again, gospel preaching, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. New Life Church and all of you watching online, I know today's been troubling not to hear some of these things that the scriptures are telling us, but sin does not have to be terminal. Sin doesn't have to be terminal, there is a cure. And I know that, 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 that sin, what it, what it does is it causes us to be embarrassed, causes us to be ashamed, but you know what happens when you're embarrassed and ashamed? You withdraw, you start hiding. Exactly what Eve did in the garden. So when she gets exposed and when she gets caught and when Adam gets caught, what was their first reaction? They went and hid from God and covered up their nakedness. So what happens now is when somebody brings up sin, the immediate reaction from the culture is shame, guilt, anger, embarrassment, which, which distanced them from the very source of the cure. This is the enemy's trick. If, if, I can, if I can't call you into absolute darkness, I'm gonna keep you from finding the truth. But he says something here. He says, God's seed, that word that I ask you to underline is parental language. So in John, he says, you are God's seed. Now I know some of you know this story, most of you know this story, is when Pam and I adopted Abram and Callie. We brought Abram home when he was a baby. We brought Callie home when she was a baby. But they have biological parents in a different strand of DNA than, than Pam and I do. You know what, something remarkable happened when we, our two adopted kids came into our home? When they started talking, they sounded like they were from Louisiana and Texas. <laughs> because that's where we're from, that's how we talk. They are LSU fans because that's who we are, that's, who, what's, that's what happens in the Boyd House. And, and, they, and they begin to share our values. They begin to like what we like, they begin to follow us, they begin to take on my image. Why? Because 
That's what parenting does. And listen, this is what happens when you say yes to Jesus. God's seed, his imprint, his, his, his glorious design for your life starts being imprinted upon your heart. And when Jesus is Lord of our lives, we become members of his family. I'm not here today to win you to new life. I'm here today to win you to Jesus and into a greater family. Listen, there are two billion Christ followers on the planet, the majority of them in the global South. And it is growing and prospering and flourishing all over the world. And all over the world, I travel all over the world and everywhere I go when I meet a real Christ follower, they all have the same traits, the same character, and the same convictions. Whether it's Guatemala, whether it's Africa, whether it's somewhere in Asia or Japan, whether it's somewhere in Western Europe, wherever, South America, no matter where I've been, there is something unique about the people of God. We all start sharing the traits, the character, and the convictions of Jesus. We all start looking like the same family. Regardless of our skin color, our socioeconomic position, wherever we are, black, white, and brown people, rich and poor people, no matter where we come from, we all start looking like our Father. So I wanna leave you with some good news this morning. Hebrews 4 gives us some of the best news in all of the Bible. I just can't think of anything that's better than this passage of scripture for us today. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way. Everybody say those two words, every way. Let me just stop here just for a moment. Your sin is not unique to the human race. The angels in heaven are not up in heaven going, well, they, they kind of, they went an extra mile on that one. I didn't see that one coming. They've outdone themselves. No, there's all, all this, all the sin and uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, Jesus is not upset with your sin. He wants, he's actually gave you, given you a cure. And he says, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then, if that is true, and it is true, new life, let us then approach the throne of grace. The throne of grace. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. So you're not coming to a God who's gonna bark at you and condemn you. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. New Life Church, that's exactly what we're about to do when we come to the table of the Lord. And it's one of the reasons why I've asked you to step out and walk toward the table of the Lord. Because I want you to approach God. Please don't forget what I'm about to say because it's very important. God cannot come any closer to you than he already is. He's, he's right here. He's in front of you and behind you, above you and below you. God cannot come to you any closer. He is as close as he can get to you right now. His presence is right here. All, he, all he's asking for is that we take one step toward him. And for some of you today, you're gonna to take that first step. And you're gonna say, Father in heaven, I didn't know you were so close. Father in heaven, I didn't know you cared about me that much. Father in heaven, I thought you were disappointed in my behavior. Those are lies. He's actually right in front of you right now. And one step from you to him will change your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand and let's pray together. Let's just turn our hands toward the Lord. Can we just admit how much all of us in this room need grace? 
This room is full of imperfect people. Somebody say amen. Full of imperfect people. All of us are going through a process of changing our lives, of confronting brokenness in our lives. All of us in this room need grace. So today we come before the throne of grace with confidence. Lord, we come today to the throne of mercy and grace with confidence. And we believe today we're gonna receive help, that you're here to help us. You're not here to condemn us, you're here to help us and forgive us. So Father, today we receive your forgiveness. We receive it, it's already been given to us. And now we receive this gift of salvation. And we're so very thankful for it. If you're one of the people that serve at the Lord's table, come on down just a moment. Be ready to serve. In just a moment, you're gonna be asked to come out and respond, to move towards something, to physically come forward and take the bread and take the cup and go back to your seat in just a moment. Pastor Eddie's gonna lead us to the table of the Lord. Father, thank you so much. We come before you now to worship, to give our thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ushers, give instructions, come down, come to the table of the Lord, New Life Church. the hope that 
I see that cross, I see freedom. When I see that grave, I'll see Jesus. And from death to life, I will sing your praise. In the wonder of your grace. When I see that cross, I see freedom. When I see that grave, I'll see Jesus. From the death to life, I will sing your praise. In the wonder of your grace When I see that cross I see freedom When I see that grave I'll see Jesus And from death to life I will sing your praise In the wonder of your grace When I see that cross I see freedom When I see that grave I'll see Jesus And from death end today with this good news from 1 John chapter 3 that you know that he appeared so that he could take away our sins. The work of Jesus culminating on his, in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we now hold in our hands our remembrance of that, that he gives his body and he gives his blood so that he could take away our sins. So go ahead and take hold of that piece of bread. As we rem remember together that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you so we receive it today we remember the work of Jesus as his body was broken for us we eat together and after supper he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for the forgiveness of sins that's what he does. He takes away our sin. He sheds it for the forgiveness of our sins. And we do this in remembrance of him as we drink together. And now we respond with thankfulness in our hearts and we lift up our voice to praise him. Come on, let's sing.
and amen. Hey, just a, just a few things I want to mention before we head out today. First, if you're new around here and you have any questions at all of what it would mean to connect here at New Life Church, out these middle doors to the left, there's Connect Central. You can talk to someone there, ask any question that you have. And also today, as Pastor Brady mentioned, we're having conversations with people specifically about the issues regarding sexuality or gender. And you're like, maybe I'd, I'd like to have a conversation. Um, and if that's you, you can go to Care Corner right inside of Guest Center. We have Care Corner. That's where you can hear about all the different things that we're doing to help people and show them the ways of Jesus in regard to this topic. Also want to let you know that Kids Camp is coming up here in just a few weeks. In the month of June, we got Kids Camp 2023. You can sign up your kids in the lobby. There's a table where you can sign up your kids, but also we need volunteers. We need people who can give up their time that week of Kids Camp to serve and volunteer. So if you can also help us out by volunteering, you can sign up at the table as well. Final reminder, like Pastor Brady said, this Wednesday is First Wednesday, so be back here in this room. We will be here at 6.30 for an hour of worship and prayer. That's what's gonna happen this week. All right, that's what's going on, but before we leave, could you just open your hands like this? Let me pray for you as we head out together. And I pray that the Lord would bless you, that he would keep you, that he would make his face to shine upon you, that he would lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be blessed today as you head out. We'll see you next week.